Everyone, welcome to the Uke Stuff channel and welcome to the Uke Stuff podcast. Today I'm visiting with David Gray, who's a person I've been following on YouTube. I don't know, I think it's a little bit more over than a year. Uh, and he's a guy that makes a bunch of resources. And I originally found him because he is making recorder resources. And then he has been expanding into many different areas. So, uh, David. I'm going to welcome you here and ask you to introduce yourself and what you do, and we'll just start visiting. Hi, thanks. Um, so my name's David Gray. I'm a, um, I guess in the UK, I'd say I'm a primary music specialist, meaning that I I specialise in in teaching children at primary level. I guess that's your elementary, but between the ages of four to eleven. Um, my background has always been in music. I used to be a freelance music teacher for around thirteen years and then did a, a teaching qualification and ended up uh, teaching full-time in a large primary school and I cover the entire music curriculum. It, it, the, the difference between the United States and the UK in terms of education, maybe it's different across the UK because you have all those different separate regions that may have their own authorities of what education looks like, like Wales may be different than uh, London area, you know, all those things. So um, in the United States, we have elementary that goes from basically what you teach from age four to 11. And then we have secondary. We even divide a little further with something called middle school and high school um, that takes kids until they're 18 roughly, and then they go to college. Um, when you hit secondary in the United States, music becomes um, elective, a choice that kids can take. And it's usually in the United States uh, performance based, so band, choir, orchestra. Um, they don't have to take it. And then their performance ensembles. There are some schools that offer uh, individual programs like music technology, where they're learning how to you know, do sequencing and things like that. There are some guitar programs here and there, a few rare ukulele programs. Uh, sometimes you'll have classes that teach a music theory or we have something called advanced placement where kids can earn college credit at the high school level where they'll do that. And then for elementary, which is what I teach now, again, ages four to 11, we say grades K through five is what we say here. Basically, music is usually in a rotation with other specialists. And it's uh, basically an hour block of the day where usually we'll teach students, in our case, either for a 30 minute block or an hour block. And that's where their main classroom teacher um, gets their break. So they can do what they need to do. And we are actually their break. So we serve a purpose where, you know, our jobs are guaranteed because they have to contractually give those teachers their break and they need something for the kids to do. So music is one of those options and kids don't have a choice. They have to do it. And then what teachers do in that gap is dependent upon the school district and that particular teacher as well. So you'll have some people that do Kodai, some people do ORF, uh, some people that will do totally different things. There are prepackaged methods and all that stuff. Personally, I teach recorder to grades three and four and then ukulele to grade five. That works really well for me. And then K through two, I follow sort of a, a Kodai inspired approach that was created by John Feyerabend. So that's just the United States sort of in a nutshell, isn't true everywhere, but it's generally kind of what we're looking at. What does it look like in the UK? I think we've got, we've got a lot of similarities. Um, so if I start from my own personal experience, I'm lucky enough to be employed full time at a school in which I do the same as you. 
I will cover what we call PPA, so planning and preparation. So when those year group teachers have that time, that's when I cover with music and that will be on a rotation with some other subjects as well. That means that um, our children are guaranteed, it's, um, we average around 40, 45 minute lessons, um, but weekly and with a specialist like myself. So that works particularly well in our school. The, the downside with that is that those class teachers, I guess, are becoming unskilled because they're not actually ever getting the opportunity to teach music. And that's something I can go into in a bit, actually, because that's one of the probably biggest downfalls in the UK uh, education system it is our teacher training program, which only lasts nine months. Um, and my wife recently did one two years ago. She only got three hours of um, tutoring to teach music education within her teaching course. That's it. And then a teacher is expected to teach music at the same quality as, as, as maths and English. <laughs> so that's a real issue. Um, that's kind of a side issue, which I'm happy to discuss later. But um, in, in, so in the UK, we have the national curriculum in which every country follows. But like you said, there's, there's slight differences within the Scottish and the Welsh. They might approach things slightly differently in terms of timetabling. Um, when our children go to secondary school, so your middle and high school, um, they will have to, most schools now start their GCSEs, which is their next qualifications to get into A-level and then eventually university. Uh, most schools will start that in year 10. So when they're the age of um, kind of 14, 15, which means that a lot of our children will only have two years of music education when they leave primary school, your elementary, and then for a huge percentage, we're talking like in the 90s percent, most children will drop music and that'll be the end of their music education. For a lot of them, by the, by the time they're 14, 13, 14, that'll be it. Unless, of course, they choose to, to study music, which numbers are in a decline, unfortunately, and they have been for, for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities between our systems in terms of teaching music and what music we teach them. Our national curriculum is very, very small and very, very broad. So there will be five points. Children must, for example, learn to sing in tune. Children must learn about the history of music. Okay, basically five steps. And then how to teach it is entirely up to you. Again, I'm in a position where I'm experienced. I create my own um, curriculum according to the children the needs of our children at our school and that might look different you know across the country um, but other schools will will pay in for schemes um, some of them might be largely due to teachers being um, not confident in teaching music basically they ten they tend to be the schools that will buy in the schemes which essentially does it for them but you know there's a whole there's a whole range of experience experiences of teachers teaching music in the UK but unfortunately it's just not at the moment um, it's not looking the same across the board there are huge variables um, about how it's looking I think and the, and the kind of opportunities that children are getting I hope that answers your question <laughs> well yeah it's just I, so did you say correctly that once you have your university degree it's just a nine-month program to get your teacher like yeah, so there's two, there's two ways into teaching. So you can go to university and study for three years, and we call that a B.Ed. So you're you're studying to become a teacher, and within that studying, you might specialise in a subject. Um, 
the other route is probably the more popular one like myself is that um somebody at whatever age might might become interested in teaching and what they can do as long as they have the correct gcses um is a pgc a postgraduate certificate in education and that is nine months that is from september october and you're done by june and you are then free to teach well, is there is there any placement involved in that, like where you're doing a practicum or anything too? Yeah. So the whole the the whole nine months will be basically set in a school. You'll you'll start with a couple of weeks of lectures in university, and then you'll have two placements uh, within your nine months. And obviously, within those placements, you're you are you're in front of the class. You're slowly building up those skills um, and techniques. Um, but yeah, after nine months, as, as long as you pass, you qualify, you, you become a teacher. And then for the next two years, you'll be an early careers teacher um, and you'll spend two years. You are a, a paid, you are a qualified teacher, but obviously you've got a little bit more time in your timetable. You'll have a day off to do to do assignments still um, and reflections and things like that. But yeah, essentially you, you can become a teacher in a year. So you teach grades or ages four to 11, roughly in your primary thing. Um, what what do the different grade levels do in your program? So like if you're dealing with like the age four students to the age 11, do you have a progression of what they follow and what does that look like? Um, good question. So I've been doing this for, I think I'm in my 10th year now. Before then I was freelance. I was teaching instruments. I was a guitar teacher, a drum teacher and things like that. So when I went into the education system, I had a good experience of of uh, what music looked like in my own world, um, roughly how to teach children to play an instrument, but but no real experience of how to teach them music. You know, I my my uh, route through route to music was through learning the trumpet at the age of nine, and then just progressing through bands and things like that, becoming interested in guitar. But I never had the experience. I didn't know actually know how to teach children just music in general. Um, so it's been a real learning curve. I'd argue that I'm I'm still learning now. In the last four to five years, I've I've learned and uh, all about and discovered uh, things like Kadai and Orf, um, which have been fascinating. They've been an, a real eye opener. I'd never even heard of them, you know, ten years ago. Everything I've learned, I've tried to create my own curriculum, kind of cherry picking all the best bits that I I feel work for our children. So essentially, from from our earlier years, from our three to four year olds up for a couple of years i i heavily um use kind of the kadai techniques and off uh, sorry not off uh del crows so i get them essentially moving to music feeling music lots of games making music fun and then as they get older we progress through um the years i start to use instruments and i i love the off approach i think it's really nice so basically using the songs that they've learned in the Kadai, you know, kind of the, the generic songs that we use, just using those two notes, we with that we learn to play them on on instruments with an off approach. And again, as they get older, we develop all those skills. Now, I I don't know what it's like in in the US. I, I'd imagine it's the same. Our children, when they get to the ages of nine, ten, eleven, it gets trickier. Uh, they they start to develop their own uh, personalities <laughs> and opinions. So. I find that I I have to drop quite a lot of the content I would use, especially the songs in the earlier years, because our children find them a bit 
childish. So in, in our for the last two years in primary, I, I, I'll look at um, music more topic based. So I keep all the progression of skills going. They're still learning to read music, play instruments like, you know, I have a whole year on the ukulele, but we'll we'll look at music from around the world. We'll look at different styles, we'll look at genres. We'll use music tech. Our children in year six are currently uh, we're looking at hip hop, creating raps for Christmas. So things start to move and, and I, I, I still create things dependent on what the children are interested in, which which is hard. You know, it changes all the time. But I feel like um, I, I want to engage the children as much as as much as I possibly can and make you know music interesting, because the reality is when they leave me, they might, like I said, only have another two years and then and then it stops unless they have that, um, you know, personal uh, want to carry on then that could be the end so yeah just trying to make it and as, as enjoyable as I can but but developing all those skills that I can cram in do they have any choral experience with you or band experience or is that outside of school so the particular school I teach at is in a in a quite a deprived area so any form of music tuition tuition that isn't with me would be seen as a luxury um, and our families basically can't afford it. That actually is is the inspiration for the YouTube channel that I can go into a bit in a minute. There are experiences. I run clubs. So I have a ukulele club. I have a recorder club. Um, we have a choir club. So those clubs are available. Um, we also have you know visiting instrumentalists who who are available to teach things like guitar. But again, it's limited, dependent on on who can afford it, really, because it's, it's not it's not a priority. Hence, why I probably go without blowing my own trumpet, maybe a little bit above and beyond to, to give children the, those musical experiences um, at a lower price, most time free. Yeah. So what what equipment do you have available to you to use in your classroom? And how how often do you get to buy equipment? It's so, you know, like, so what do you have a set of ORF instruments and, and people that don't know that those are basically mallet instruments of whether they're wood um small wood almost like xylophones or or metal metallophones things like that they're small and most americans grew up with some teachers having those i don't have i have a partial set that was brought over when my school got its own building long story it's a immersion school where uh the students learn in spanish and their specialists are in English. So I it's called the Spanish Immersion School. It, it's it's a growing trend in the United States. It's not everywhere. Um, it's a fun place for me because I have a Spanish minor for my education in my, you know, my undergrad when I was getting my bachelor's degree. So with that, I, I teach a lot of songs in Spanish, but I also the curriculum is in English that I do. But we only have a partial set of ORF instruments. But then we every kid buys their own recorder. Um, we have a classroom set of ukuleles, so I'm wondering, what does your instrument choice have for your students? I'm in I'm in a really fortunate position, and it's not like this across this. You know, this there, there are schools in the UK that that don't have instruments or have absolute bare minimum. I'm very lucky in that I work in a in, in an academy trust, so our school is part of um, 30 other primary schools up and down the whole of the UK. Um, most academy trusts would, would 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 buy into schools in a region or a district, um, but ours is nationwide. So the, we we have I'd perhaps I'd probably say I have more funding than than other schools. Definitely, we also have in the UK hubs, 
So within the, our counties and our districts in the UK, there are music centres which are there to fund and help music. So I do get music from the hub. Now, most most schools would use that music to buy in a visiting teacher uh, to come and perhaps spend a, a term teaching them a particular instrument. However, because I'm employed to do what I do, I can actually use that money to buy in instruments. So over the course of the 10 years I've been in my school, I've actually accumulated quite a, a large set of instruments, which it was just uh, is, is not usual. <laughs> so I'm in a lucky position. But um, I think I'm trying to think. So we, we have a class set of ukuleles. I teach in a three form school. So I have three year, three classes per year group. So it was a lot of instrument sharing, which means a lot of looking after and maintaining. But yeah, we, we've got a class set of ukuleles, uh, recorders, three sets of recorders. We have part bought and part borrow. We're like, we can borrow instruments, pretty much any instrument as well for free, which is, which is really nice. Um, violins, we have a class set of brass instruments. Brass is actually my first instrument. Uh, variety of woodwind instruments, some J sax, which are brilliant, and toots, which are fantastic. We have a set of djembes. Um, we have a samba collection of instruments. Um, we have uh, oh, and a variety of um, percussions and boom whackers. Um, when I came to school, we, we, we don't really we don't have off instruments as such in the UK. That term I only really heard from the US. But like you said, we have a selection of, of um, xylophones, glockenspiels, um, enough for a class. I'd love more the xylophone of all the instruments. Probably I absolutely love and I adore it, but they are extremely expensive like very expensive i can get 30 ukuleles for the same price as a single you know reasonably large xylophone but but despite that yeah i i'm fortunate that i do have a large selection i want keyboards i've got about 10 keyboards as well i'm going to ask you lots of questions about your youtube videos <laughs> um for sure and again that's that's one of my approaches too is to use videos and um, I have no idea where I first tripped upon your resources, and I don't know if it was early on in your making of those resources, but um, I have been teaching and making my own videos out of existing, like, recorder books and so forth for a long time. And, of course, with the ukulele, the, the uke playlongs channel, you know, where I've been making playlongs to the pop music um, with the chords. A little different approach than what you do in your videos, which we can, we'll definitely talk about that too. But that video format has been such a strong tool with recorder and ukulele. The kids buy into it, it keeps them focused, they have fun. And when they're playing songs that they enjoy, and that that really changes it for them. So they're, they do enjoy playing hot cross buns. You know what I mean? They, they do enjoy that, but folk music is not their music. And, and that's hard because I, I guess I grew up in the traditional American music education system where folk music was a huge focus of what we did. And I think that's from our European roots too, because in Europe, you guys have such a strong folk music connection as well. Um, think of all the beautiful songs that come from, you know, the UK alone that, that are out there. And they're beautiful songs. But I grew up thinking that was my music because it was taught to me. Kids today and the way that we now absorb music through, um, you know, I mean, think about because, you know, we're of an age that you actually bought a CD. And with that CD, 
I think my son the other day picked up a CD and said, what is this? And he's 11. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like they, my, my kids don't even know what a CD is, my own kid. Um, so with that, it's like you, you, want, you wanted one song on that CD, but you ended up getting, you know, 11 songs on it. And you didn't listen to any of the other 11 songs. You just listened to the one song that you just wanted. And the way that they can curate today with Spotify and Apple Music and all those choices or even YouTube and just listen to the one song that they want and play it repeatedly. Um, it just kind of blows my mind. So really we are growing up with a generation that does not have that tie into folk music. So coming across your music was amazing because they're all new compositions for the most part. You're not rewriting, um, hey, here's hot cross buns for you guys. Although I'm sure you could in about a minute and your kids would love to play it, but you're purposely kind of going another way. So when did you trip into your video solution as a teacher? When did that, you say, hey, I've got these skills and I've got this equipment. I can put this together and I can go into that. When when did that light bulb go off on in your, in your mind? Well, I wish it went off before COVID because it would have been a massive hit in COVID. So hindsight is beautiful. <laughs> but um, so I'm a, I'm a composer. I've always loved uh, writing music. I've published um, brass. I was brought up in brass bands in the UK, which you don't really have in the States, do you? More concert bands. Um, so I was brass bands. And I kind of started my experimenting, composing music in brass bands. And I had a few people pieces published you know quite 20 years ago um that's where it all started and then in my own bands rock bands when i got a guitar and all that i just I, i've always loved writing it's always been a thing i love creating when i started to teach when i first got my job in the in the school i'm in i i wanted to teach brass because that was my instrument and at the time the the resources that were out there i felt weren't great and I, and I thought, perhaps, you know, slightly big-headed, I thought, well, I, could, I think I could do this. So um, I created a whole bunch of, of um, pieces, which subsequently have gone to YouTube, but with um, kind of jazzed-up backings now. I've learned how to use Logic and all these things. Um, but they were just MIDI backing tracks. They sounded okay, and the kids seemed to love them. Um, and I, I, I must have done – so they, they're the first videos that went up on that YouTube video, which are the brass play-alongs. And I, I, they would have been pre-COVID. So I think roughly five or six years ago, I did that. And I, I was using them just in class. There's MIDI back, backing tracks. The music was, I felt, more engaging for the children. Um, slightly different styles, uh, slightly more modern uh, styles. And it wasn't until uh, we got through COVID. And I'd never, I've never been a big user of YouTube in the class. I've never really used it myself. I think I just because I felt I didn't really need to, I guess, in my position. But I, I did see how popular it was and its use. Now, in the UK, we're, we're luck I'm lucky because I, I can use YouTube in the class, but a lot of um, classrooms block YouTube. So not all schools are, can use YouTube, but I didn't notice in the States, especially Australia, I seem to have a big following as well. It seems to almost be commonplace. Um, it, most teachers seem to use YouTube, you know, to its best ex extent. Um, so anyway, yeah, I created the, the the brass tracks. And then I had some children who were interested in, in carrying on learning the trumpet. They even got one for Christmas, but, you know, they couldn't afford lessons. So I thought, what else is this kid going to do? He's got a trumpet, but he's got no teacher. And I thought, 
I wonder if I can put them onto YouTube. Now, this was a huge learning curve. And I had, you know, I taught myself, ironically, using YouTube. <laughs> At the same time, I go, you know, I bought into, I've got a lovely MIDI keyboard. I've got Logic Pro. I thought, right, I'm going to figure this all out. It took me a while. Um, but I'm inquisitive. I like learning, you know, learning those skills. So, yeah, I, I kind of converted all those MIDI tracks, made them sound better. And then got all the brass ones out there thought oh, i quite enjoy doing this I, I do enjoy writing anyway even if it's a two minute recorder piece you know it's still i'm putting in the same um kind of soul and heart and and work as i would into a three minute uh, rock piece in my own band you know so I, I you know i started doing that and i thought well actually what do teachers really need it, it's the it's the te- it's the um it's the instruments that children can afford isn't it and the and the instruments that schools can afford that basically they're the ukulele in the recorder um and they're fantastic instruments they're affordable so all schools have them what well, most schools have them but not only that most children have them as well so it might be a birthday pre- it's a perfect birthday christmas present so they actually have the instrument at home they still don't have the teacher where are they naturally going to go youtube so yeah just those kind of those things went together but I didn't want to create stuff that's already out there. You know, there's a lot of YouTube, like your your fantastic um, YouTube channel. I don't need to be doing that again. It's already enough fantastic stuff out there. So I thought, well, I'm going to approach it more from an educational point of view. Um, so rather than the songs, we're going to look at learning to read the music, how to actually play the instrument, you know, and really slowly and steadily. Like you said, there's a lot of um, play-alongs out there for various instruments, but with the assumption that the kids already know how to play those notes or understand how to read the music. So I thought, actually, I'm going to go back a step. I'm going to go right to the beginning, teach them to play a single note, get them um, playing that single note in a a variety of rhythms and then just build it up slowly. And in turn, you know, I guess my dream was that educators could then use that in the classroom as well as the child using it at home. It's fantastic. And again, I, I mean, I know I have I have requests for you in, in the midst of, of what you're doing, too. Like, for example, our second grade students, I'm trying to think of what age they would be. So we've got kinder first, second. So that third year, you know, in that process, I do a lot of boom whackers with them because I'm just starting to teach them music. And I use your the rhythm based play along which are, you know, starting with C and C and D and C, D and E. I hope at some point you can go back and add the boom whacker colors to those. I don't know how hard that is to do with your fonts and so forth. I don't, in fact, let's talk about that. What does your process look like? I'll just tell you mine real quick um, and how mine works with the video playlongs, for example. I, you know, I use video editor. I use LumaFusion on my iPad. That's that's what works best for me for video editing. Although Apple has now released the full final cut for iPad. I haven't bought it, but it's out there. But I my iPad is my creation tool. Um, so if you look at your sandwich, you have a, a background picture. And then underneath that is the actual audio of the, the recording. And on top of that goes the lyrics and the chords for each verse or whatever progression of chords and then top of that gets the moving box and then transitions between so the box is just an overlay box that's actually a shape with the program and that all gets put together and i have a six hour tutorial out there on youtube to show people if they want to make their own what my process is so um literally from start to finish depending on the length of the song 
um, from getting the original music all the way to publishing on YouTube. And then again, creating a tutorial, because that's the other thing. You, I always get people like, what's the strumming pattern? We'll talk about strumming patterns too um, with like ukulele. I, I, I avoid putting strumming patterns in the work that I do. And that's, that's one of the things we'll talk about. But that whole process probably is anywhere between three to six hours for a single video from initial recording to publishing everything out there on the web. What does it look like for you? What programs are you using to create the content that you're making i'm um i i think i probably spend roughly the same amount as you i there's probably a, a much easier way of doing what i do but it's the way i've been doing it and it works so i'm going to continue until someone shows me how to do it in half the time but um depending on the piece of music um you know i i could the recorder the recorder pieces for example that i think they're roughly two minutes um, and a lot of them are repeated anyway. So you've got about a minute, a minute of original material, and then that's it's repeated. And I might add an, an, an extra musical element for the second half to make it a bit more interesting. Um, depending on the piece and the instrumentation I'm using, that might take uh, an hour. Sometimes it may take a couple of hours, depending on how inv invested I am. I've just done a piece recently, which I'm loving. I keep adding more and more, but but other pieces might only have a couple of layers um so that's the audio part and then for the video so it took me a while to figure out the best way of doing it because i have uh, the musical notation but i have the kind of yellow overlay that's i use the sibelius um, um package to create composed music so they're the notes you see and i couldn't figure out how to i didn't really want to create a highlight box in another because it's just an, adding another element, and I realised it's Sibelius. I can't, I can't remember the the word actually. I've been doing it for so long, I haven't even remembered the word. But there's, there's a, there's a thing you can click on that highlight. It might just be highlight. Highlights the note. So basically, every image you are seeing with a note and the highlight over it is a different image. So the piece has uh, twenty notes in, or thirty rhythms. Call it um, the crotchet is one of the rhythm. You know, double quavers is another one. Then that will be thirty images. Now I have to create those thirty images, and then in PowerPoint they'll just be one underneath each other. So all the images are set out in order, and then I simply play the music and I record the PowerPoint in time. Now the one problem with PowerPoint is it doesn't record in time, which is frustrating. And I've googled this, and it's I think it's just a it's a PowerPoint computer thing. I'm not nerdy enough to understand that. So when I put that into the video editing software and I put the music on top, the timing st still won't won't match up all the time. So there'll be an element of having to cut and slow down and speed up parts as well. Sometimes if my computer's having a good day, then uh, that's minimal. Sometimes it's not. But I think I've been doing it so much now and i'm so used to it that i'm probably you know I'm, I'm quite quick at doing it um but i'd say from from beginning to end roughly the same as you i won't do it all in one go though so i'll do the music one evening and then i'll do the video another time but yeah that's my process it seems quite long-winded um it's working for me at the moment and i think one of the one of the best feedbacks i've had actually is the ease in which to read and follow the music you know I've, I've seen a lot of youtube channels where they'll they'll post the music but they won't show any indication of the rhythm so again there's an assumption that 
children or, or whoever's reading understands how to read the rhythm. But again, I'm just coming from an educational point of view and, and I hope that those highlighters really help to show and embed the how to read the rhythms, you know, for the children following them. No, I love it. In fact, that's that's the reason why I'm, I'm you know, chatting because I think you just recently released a Boomwhacker video or two that had the the colored note heads, you know, the the note. Oh, yes. Um, because most of the Boomwhacker literature that's out there is just, you know, either you have a, a scheme of, yeah. you know, like Boomwhacker tubes at the bottom and it's kind of like the, the video yeah. game, or you have, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of that one guy is. I think he's in Sweden that he's got those, you know, playlongs where you've got the letter names and the, yeah. the thing jumps to letter names, but that doesn't build literacy. It, it makes a playing experience that's fun, but doesn't build literacy. So taking your videos, I can actually build the literacy on it. And they're actually learning how to read the note at the same time that they're playing the color. So anyway, so my my biggest request to somebody using it for the Boomwhackers is if you can never go back and easily add the color notes to it. But it doesn't sound like that's... I was, see, I was thinking like if you had a font that you were using... You could just substitute the font in a in a file, but that sounds like it's a complete re-recording process. It, of the whole yeah, it's it's not hard to do; it's just time consuming. So yeah. again, in, in Sibelius, I can just change the color of the notes, like in the new videos, but then that would mean creating a picture of each process again, and then and then doing the video. So yeah, it can be done very easily. It's just it's time consuming. Time. <laughs> so one day. <laughs> if you ever find the time, that'd be a request of mine. But then the other one I was, I, I just presented on ukuleles, uh, each state, I, I don't know if there's a similarity in the UK for a state like we have here in the United States. We have, you know, 50 states and each one is its own authority. You know, it's like a local government. And then you have your cities too, or smaller that are part of the state. So the state is a part of the country, but the state is a separate unity of its own that has to follow federal regulations, but has its own. So, um, but in education, every every state runs its own education and has its own rules. Um, I will go and speak at other states' music education. They have annual like gatherings of music educators where they get professional development. So I was speaking in Iowa yesterday and I was visiting, I was teaching about the ukulele, but I also mentioned your channel like I do all the time now. And not only mentioning your ukulele resources, but just in passing mentioning the recorder resources. And one of my all-time favorite things that you've done, and you've only done two to my knowledge, are the improvisation uh, playlongs. And if anybody listening is or watching is wondering what that is, basically there's a one measure or two measure lick that's played. And then a gap where the student makes up something to play. So they have to play what's written. And then, and what I do is I have a class, classes generally here for me are between 24 and 32 students, depending on, on what class. And then what I'll do is as a class, we'll play the written part. And then each kid gets to play something in the gap. And it just goes like that to the whole class with all the repeats of the song. Those are brilliant. And if I can make any requests is that 
down the road, you add some for BAG and then as you go. By the way, I should ask, there are different approaches towards recorder. It seems to me that your approach might be G first, or is it, do you, do you know how, how you approach, well, obviously you know how you do, how do you approach recorder and sequence? Um, well, I've done it from B. So the first set okay. of videos of B, I think, okay. yeah, in, in the old brass videos, I, I redid them for woodwind as well, but they follow the same music as brass. So they end up learning G first. Okay. But in the recorder videos, yeah, they start B-A-G. Okay. Because in my brain, I, I felt like G might have been first. And as I was just talking there, but no, it was B that was first. Because that's how I teach it too. There are some teachers here in the United States that teach low C first. Mm -hmm. And they live with both hands on the recorder first. Maybe they start with E. I'm not sure which one they do. But long story short is I don't do that. I just do what most of the recorder methods do, which is B-A-G. So um, but anyway, I would love to see more of those improvisation because that, I don't know about the UK, but that is a skill that more or less lacks in the United States, unless the teacher is kind of like jazz minded because improvisation is so closely related to jazz. So it's one of the areas that, that I know we could use help on. It's funny because, um, I, yeah, I, I purposely made those videos, you know, for that intention and, and to be honest, um, I do, you know, I do, I do this for the love of it and I do it for, for the children, but I also do look at what is popular and those videos just haven't seemed to have gained much traction at all. And, and, you know, you, I think you and maybe a colleague of mine are probably the only two people who have mentioned, the, you know, the, how helpful those improvisation videos have been. And, you know, the, the aim was to continue those using, you know more notes so it will be something nice to do but I, like i said i do look at the numbers and it, at the moment they're just they're videos that don't seem to be used much at all which is a shame because i think improvisation just the word alone scares a lot of a lot of teachers <laughs> oh we i just need to get the, the word out there because i mean that those are brilliant and it's it's just such a skill so yeah well that's true i i don't look at i try not to look at the numbers because the numbers are for me, they're flawed. And, mm -hmm. you know, and you're, I, do you list your songs? I'm, I'm stopping myself mid thought, but do you list your songs as being for children only or not on YouTube? No. Okay. I don't either. Cause then you can't earn any revenue from ad streams and so forth. I also, uh, the, the other reason for doing that was because I think a lot of the time teachers well, my, in my brain, teachers would use it and that, that would, uh, I think prevent them from using it as well um plus you know children using their their parents youtube accounts it just seemed to make more sense to have it to have it open by the way let me let me put this up if anybody's curious this is the website we're talking about youtube.com and then now with youtube you can use the at symbol and if you write music with mr gray that's where where you can find these resources that we're talking about um another question for you I know you have a separate website. I don't have it here actually in a banner or anything. I can create as we're talking perhaps, but I know you have a separate website where you offer the printed materials of your videos. Where is that website and what's all out there? So yeah, the um, in England we have something, oh, I, I think it's available actually internationally. We have something called TES, which is was originally a website in which jobs would be um, teaching jobs would be advertised and then it slowly became a job where resources were so years ago i created one for you know 
a variety of things that uh, I create in the classroom. In each of my, well, in the majority of my YouTube videos, there will be a link to purchase the, you know, the sheet music, but more importantly, the backing tracks, because obviously YouTube has the play along tracks and you can hear the instruments, but for performances, you know, it'd be nice to, to, to get rid of them. But the reason I did it um, as a paid for thing was, again, it was just to earn that, you know, it's a minute, <laughs> a bit of pocket money, really, but it was just, yeah, offering that. The only problem with TES is that you can't change the URL. So I couldn't even tell you, unfortunately, at the moment what the what the what the address is because it's just a whole bunch of letters and numbers. I, I am thinking, I think in the future, you know, if things become more popular, then I think I might look into creating my own website and then being able to direct people there to purchase things. I think it'll be just keeping it all in one place um will probably make a lot more sense but you know, we'll see think how things go but the links are always in the descriptions and i wanted to say a couple of suggestions to you too is considering that there are so many schools that don't have access to youtube um it it might be worth offering through something like buy me a coffee or something a link to google drive where your videos are all downloaded um and can be just downloaded as a whole and played by a teacher you know sell it for whatever you think is is fair um i would suggest that and then the other resource for american educators where americans look would be um teacher there's a website called teachers pay teachers yeah and if yeah if you get a chance if you would open up an account that it, you know a dual account over there that would also expose you to this greater american because that's teachers go where they know, unfortunately. And that's that's where it's like, that's why it can be so hard to get a foot in the door. And then, of course, during COVID, so many teachers, and especially in the ukulele world, everybody went online. So then suddenly there was so many people out on, on YouTube, new people couldn't get, you know, a toehold. It's like trying to publish a new app on the App Store. It's like, good luck with that, because there's now so many existing resources even if you have a great option, you're you're in trouble because how do you get in? So those would be my two suggestions for you because um, the the material is just brilliant. Well, the, um, the first suggestion, funnily enough, uh, you're not the first person who's asked. And I think paranoia kind of kicked in. I felt that if I gave people the option to download the videos, then they're not going to use YouTube. Um and I guess my my biggest worry is then they kind of own they own my videos, and I wanted to be the pe person who owns my videos because then what's stopping them from uploading or, or sharing them? Obviously, I you know I believe in the morals of most people. Um, right. And yeah, each pay teachers I'm aware of. I do have a couple of things up there, um, so I do have an account. I think I found there was a reason why I hadn't uploaded anything yet, but I will I will look into it. I am aware of it, and I do I do have an account. But <laughs> thanks for bringing it up. It just it just because again your your work is just brilliant. So I want to move on to ukulele. When did you start playing ukulele? What what you know what did that look like for you? We'll start with that. I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I think it was when I it, it, in fact it would have been when I first no it wasn't. So I was freelance. When I was freelance, um, I taught a variety of instruments from guitar um, to, to brass, a um, bit of drums. Um, and a lot of schools in the earlier years, 
I had quite a lot of children who wanted to learn guitar, but because of just their age and their size, they just found it incredibly hard. So I thought I, I must have picked up a ukulele at school. I think that's what it was and gave it a little play and thought, this is brilliant. I absolutely love this for a whole host of reasons. Um, so I did used to teach a little bit of ukulele um, to children as freelance. And then I guess when I got my job, I think the school already had recorders and I think the ukulele was the first set of instruments I bought because they are so accessible. Like I said, you know, that they're affordable instrument, which is brilliant. But I think the advantage it has over other instruments such as the guitar um, or the keyboard is that you can learn uh, to read music. You can learn to read tab. You can learn to read melody and you can play chords. You can do all of those things which are actually quite hard to do on different instruments. You can do it all on one instrument and for a fraction of the price um and yeah and then my love of love of it just just kind of went from there really and you know i had experience playing guitars so it didn't take me too long to pick up and um i've always found I, I i've always found it easier to play the ukulele anyway i think i don't know if it's the shapes i've, I've always found it very natural to play the ukulele i played guitar for a long time but yeah i don't know i don't know what it is but anyway i fell in love with the instrument and then you know the potential it has to just learn base to teach sorry almost every element of music you can do on that one instrument and there aren't many instruments you can do that on really and you've got videos that do all of those things right um you've got <laughs> okay, melody, yeah. right like you do have the melody you're reading some of those too right with the ukulele as well yeah yeah i generally stay away from that just because i let the ukulele be it's its primary thing as an accompaniment first that's you know so that's because we in american education we spend so much time teaching melody we almost never teach harmony i don't know what it's like in the uk now there are exceptions out there of teachers that do but i'd say as a whole generally we focus on melody so if we're not teaching singing which is generally melody sometimes two-part but usually in a classroom setting is melody then we move to boom whackers or orf instruments which are melody and then we move to recorders which are most of the time melody you know and then i i'm okay with one year fifth grade teaching harmony and different ways of reading music so i'm okay with that but um i do know there are some ukulele people who want to destroy the recorder they don't want the recorder anymore and they they want to use the ukulele for everything and i'm okay with that as long as they keep it fun and interesting for kids because when i tried teaching ukulele like the methods like a, a trumpet method you know like where you're doing individual notes it bombed for me kids didn't want any part with it so um i think you definitely have to have some balance and do some fun stuff which is what you're doing oh sorry no just to i think um i'm the same as you so in, in school it, it's used as um i use it for chords um i'm I've I've just started my year three, so my eight-year-olds. I thought this year I'm actually going to do ukulele for the entire year. Um, my plan was to, and I'm still umming and ahhing as to whether to look at turn it going into melody. But like you said, I have plenty of other instruments I can do that. And actually, it's the one instrument you can play chords pretty quickly, quicker than keyboard. Um, so yeah, no, I'm in the right right same frame of mind as you. I think in terms of the YouTube videos, again because there are already so many out there that, that work on chords, I felt like well, I, I didn't really need to do that, but I did do the ones that um, 
the chord ones basically either stick with one chord or progression a chord progression and just learn learning to play that chord in a, in a variety of of different rhythms but yeah yeah i think we have the same approach yeah i i it's been fun to watch those videos um my only my my one request is when you're doing the ukulele like your more recent ones where it's like they practice the patterns um, and maybe you do, because maybe I haven't made it all the way to end end of one of those videos because I watched the first parts. Um, generally, I stay away from strumming patterns because people get caught up in them, you know, and they're more worried about strumming patterns than just keeping a beat and playing chords. But I also understand people that want to drill strumming patterns. So I, I, I do my own thing. But it'd be if after you get through the whole sequence if there was an open one where it did the same thing and it just said strum whatever pattern yeah. you know or or find your own pattern if if you could put that at the end of your sequences of chords that'd be pretty cool because then what i would do is i would fast forward probably to that one and that'd be the one that i would have my kids play most of the time i don't right. know just as a thought yeah <laughs> just as a thought and again do you have to change it no just giving you feedback and it could be good or could be bad and seriously, you know what you're doing. So, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. Do they, do they use that phrase in the UK? Grain of salt? Do they say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred uh, percent. Okay. Because you never know what, you know, what little colloquialisms pass over, you know. What, what's we, the ones, but we definitely share that one. So. Okay. You know that. And by the way, if I have any of the other, uh, you know, American, you know, little sayings, please let me know if they don't oh, make uh, sense. Um, yeah. So what do you have personally for an ukulele? What have you settled on as an instrument for yourself? Oh, my personal. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm an associate of Octopus. So I have an Octopus ukulele, um, I have Rosetta, which is lovely. But um, I do also, I um, research. I wanted to buy myself a nice ukulele, you know, spend a little bit more money a couple of years ago. Um, and there are so many out there. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous how many there are. Um, but I stumbled across uh, quite a few players playing a flight ukulele. Um, so after a bit of research, I bought myself a flight. In fact, I've got it right here, uh, which is a very pretty ukulele. Um, and I bought it as a semi-acoustic as well, because if I ever do workshops, it's quite nice to be able to, to plug it in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful ukulele. Um, I guess different because it's made, it's a European made uh, ukulele rather than you know american or hawaiian but um at the moment that's yeah i'm really enjoying really enjoying playing that one yeah um believe it or not i do i do some part-time work with flight oh so fantastic. so yeah i think that's the victoria is that what you have there is that uh, victoria? yes that does ring a bell yes victoria tanner <laughs> yep yep um yeah they they are designed in slovenia Yes. And then just like everything else, they're made in China and, and shipped to whatever. How did you get the connection with Octopus? How did that? And by the way, um, to any listeners in the United States or viewers in the United States, Octopus is not here in the United States. Um, so you can't go to your store. It is coming. It is coming. Yeah. This year they they were at NAM um, because they're also associated with quite a few other companies such as the um the jumbie jams and various other um percussion uh manufacturers as well so i i i've been told that i think you know octopus will be 
making its way across the sea. Ooh, that's that's so okay. So there's something for you to look at. Um, Barry Maz reviewed them in the past, so he's looked at a couple of octopus. If you Barry Maz has the Gotti ukulele website, he's there in the UK and he's a ukulele reviewer, and he always thinks very highly of the octopuses that he's reviewed, um, saying their quality, they play well. I think he said most of the time they're set up very well. And of course, they're very, very affordable. And I was looking at their website today, and they even have plans for schools where for every 10 ukuleles you buy as a school, um, they will donate five. So basically, you're getting so much more for your money. So if your classroom set is normally 30, you would only have to buy 20 and you'd get the other 10 free through Octopus. And I imagine they do that by building into their price structure um, and part of their mission, but that's fantastic. How did you get the connection with, with Octopus? Well, the Octopus, when when I, joined, when I um, joined my school, as I said, they were the first set of instruments I bought. Um, you know, I wasn't quite sure which ukuleles to go for. I was fairly new to the you know world of ukuleles. Um, and it was just, you know, various forums, what do people suggest? And, and Octopus always came out on top um, for, for a variety of reasons, some of which you just stated. Um, so I went for them. And yeah, I haven't looked back since. We are still using the same set of 30. Or I've, I've bought, you know, a few more since then. But we're using the same set for 10 years running now. Uh, many of I've barely changed a string um they keep their tuning amazingly well they're hard wearing some have got you know some scratches and stuff but that's natural they they are going through literally thousands and thousands of children and they just keep going and um and it was recently i think i must have stumbled across a video of a ukulele player who perhaps mentioned they were an associate or who came across something on youtube so, oh it's interesting so yeah just gave octopus a quick google and and there it is they look for associates and i thought well you know i i, I i'm i highly i praise them a lot and uh, i use their their ukuleles every single day I'll, I'll uh i'll send them a little message and also it was at the same time that i created the original um ukulele youtube videos or the ones based on tablature and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll send, tell them a bit about me. I'll send them that. So this stuff's out there as well for ukulele players. And yeah, they got back. They loved what I was doing and, and just invited me to be an associate. Um, so I've been one for just a couple of years. Um, you know, I, I mean, talk to them. It'd be, you know, we're trying to get some projects on the go. But, you know, as, as it is with these kind of big companies, it's, it's time. But it's been fun working with them. And yeah, fingers crossed we'll have some things coming out, you know, in the future as well. I guess the question is, what what does an associate do? What does that fully mean? Much really, just <laughs> speak highly of them. Um, you know, I, I kind of just share. I, I I share that you know the fact that I use um, octopus ukulele and the fact that I'm a teacher. I think um, because the majority of the instruments that octopus develop are for children. They are for schools. And I think to have an associate, a lot of the associates are teachers and it's, it's teachers who are able to, you know, from experience recommend um, a musical instrument that's going to last, I think is quite valuable to a company like that um, because there are a lot of instruments out there, um, even from recorders, which is, you know, fairly uh, is an affordable instrument. I still have children 
by a recorder that that are, that are dreadful and if they literally spent one or two pounds more that's all they would have got so much more um quality for their money and same with ukuleles there's ukuleles out there in in english money for 25 pounds that are absolute rubbish and if they spent five pounds more and got an octopus one you're talking quality um so i think you know teachers who are able to share that is like i said is is, is valuable I don't know what your classroom teaching space looks like, but mine is a former choir room. It's a long story. It was a secondary middle school turned into an elementary school when they built a new middle school. So it's a choir room and it has, um, actually it's now it's a band room. I changed rooms, but it has carpeted like risers that are permanent risers for chairs where you'd have a, a band sitting on tiered risers up. And then uh, a very, hard what we call a terrazzo floor so it's like concrete with little chips of like marble in it it's very very strong if you ever have to drill into it you burn out drill bits doing it and i'll have kids that buy we have a, a store here in the united states called dollar tree where everything is now a dollar 25 because of yeah. inflation but um anyway there's recorders there and i'll have kids that buy one of those because they're cheap rather than buy one that we buy at the school for seven dollars and fifty cents yeah. um and in fact we'll even give a recorder to a kid if they can't afford it because we've got a little extra built in that price point it works out but we'll still get the kid that doesn't want to buy one doesn't want to get one from the school without anybody asking questions so they'll bring in this cheap recorder they'll drop it once on a terrazzo floor and it shatters like glass oh, and i mean it, they just explode because it's so cheap and the same is true with ukuleles i'll get kids that bring in an ukulele the the classic one i had a family that went to vacation in florida and there's a surfboard shop in in florida called ron john's and they made about the most atrocious atrocious ukulele you have ever seen in your life in terms <laughs> of i mean it was a plastic fretboard where the the frets were were nearly you know a, a quarter of an inch tall it was it was insane and the kid brought in like here's my new ukulele and i was just like oh my gosh and they spent like fifty dollars and for fifty dollars in, in the u.s you can buy or for another five dollars at the very least you can buy a very very functional concert ukulele for that price so it, i hear you that and so it, if if octopus is coming here to the united states that's a nice you know that's a nice addition if we if we have it even though there are lots of brands and a lot of good ukuleles a good affordable ukulele and especially if they're going to be working with schools like they do there i'm i'm all for that very exciting it's, it's also heartbreaking as well isn't it when a child comes into school so excited to show you their instrument and then you have to break the news that it's not very good so, so yeah i mean i think um quality is so important it makes a huge difference to 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 the child definitely you have we have something here in the united states called rummage sales or garage sales do you have those in the uk not really we we have something called a car boot sale so in the summer there'll be a big field and people basically sell second hand out out of the back of their boot of their car literally a car boot so similar okay, ones, um, okay. Yeah, so we have those where yeah, where people just have a bunch of stuff in their house they don't want anymore. So they'll have what they call as a garage sale. So they'll open up the garage to their house and people will come and 
root through this stuff and pay a quarter for whatever, you know, whatever. So um, I had a student that came in with an ukulele from this summer that was so bad that I had, you know, because I get some ukuleles to review that are, you know, sent to me. So I just took it from her and gave her one and just said, oh. here. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't let you leave with that ukulele. It was, it was um, a Hello Kitty ukulele. Oh, yeah, I've had them come with Hello Kitty, but they've got six strings and they're made of metal strings and a plastic body. And it's just horrendous. It's horrible. Slicing the kids' fingers off as they play as well. That's horrible. Oh, oh hey, I was going to ask you, do you, do you allow your students to use picks with your ukuleles? Yes, I do, but you have to say it quietly because I know there's some ukulele players who aren't, aren't into that. Basically, I will give them the choice. At the end of the day, I'm not there to to turn them into the next, put in your own, you know, next, you know, big ukulele player. That That's not why I do what I do. I do to, you know, share these instruments, give them the opportunities, and who knows what will happen. Um, so basically, yeah, my first session, I will show them. I'll show them the different ways you can play with picking or using your thumb or using your fingers back of the nail. Most kids don't like that because it tends to hurt them or a plectrum. Um, I am not I am not precious um, about how they play them. I just want them, you know, to play them. And then some children do choose to not use them. Um, I think they just they, they, they prefer to use their thumb. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly precious as long as they're making a sound and enjoying it. Yeah, I, I had kids, well, you know, because we do the play-alongs, I have kids that just play, and they just get so caught up in the playing that they look at their finger at the end of the, you know, the song, and they're bleeding, and they're like, uh, Dr. Russell, my finger's bleeding, and so that, that changes your mindset when you see that. As a little tip, I don't know if you know them, but Stones Music in the UK is the distributor of, like, Kawaya, um, Baton Rouge ukulele, some others, but Mark there actually makes leather picks. And if if you'd like to check out, reach out to Mark. He's a great guy. Um, don't know where he's at in the UK, but um, he could even have them embro or like embossed with the logo of your school or whatever. Well, and it's pretty affordable. So they're nice, big, thick leather picks. So they're not going to harm an ukulele. And um, I so we long story short is we also have booster clubs in the United States, which I don't know if that makes any sense, but are like parent teacher organizations. So like the parents will do fundraising for their school and they'll, I, I have submitted grants to them in the past because they offer that and say, hey, I'd like to buy ukulele picks for my students. And then if you're fortunate, they choose you and say, sure, we'll get those for you. And then I was able to buy some of those picks. So every kid, when they come into my program, I show them how to play with one finger, right? I talk about, you can use your thumb, but if you use your thumb, it becomes the dominant thing. So try... If you're going to play with your hand, try to start with your finger first. Yeah. Um, but I also show them how to use the pick, and I tell them why, because kids actually end up playing so much. And we play for like 30 minutes straight. That can damage your finger yeah. if you're a kid. The other thing I don't know if you're aware of, have you heard about Aquila's kid strings? No. These aren't the colored ones, are they? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what colored. You have to tell me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance, check out Aquila Kids. And this is just shop talk of what really works well. Um, Aquila, of course, is in Italy. They sell a 20-pack of strings at a fraction of the price of just normal strings. And they're basically just um, colored 
Nile got strings. So they're your normal strings that that octopus would put on, except they're colored. Um, you can use them all the way to tenor, although I'm usually using. We have long neck flight travel ukuleles. That's what we use. Um, but it is so much easier to teach a kid using the colored strings, and then they're not dependent upon it. So if you use a dot system, like some teachers do, they get, you know, kind of required to see the dot. So, you know, the dot is under the C, you know, where you put your C chord, they, they have to see that dot. With the colored strings, it helps them as they're first learning. But then when you go away from a, like a chord chart with those colored strings, then boom, they're no longer they're no longer dependent upon the colored strings. So it helps them learn. So it's so much better. So if you say um, first string, third fret, their smoke comes out of their brain at that point. But if you say blue string, third fret, third box, they yeah. can do that. So anyway, if, if when you have to replace your strings, highly recommended because it just takes away one level of complexity. So just sharing that with you as shop talk. The other one for you is a resource if you ever if you don't know it is there's a place here in the United States called ukefarm.com and they have ukulele fonts that you can like put into documents. So if you choose that font, it makes a ukulele chord instead of so yeah, I know. I know you mean. Yeah, because at the yeah. moment I I have to create well a lot of the chord boxes and stuff. They're either I can uh, have ones that are already developed or I have had to create my own as well, which again is quite time consuming. Right. So if, anyway, just another resource, very affordable, but another quick solution for a lot of the work that you're doing if you don't know about it. And and I also share that just on the channel here for anybody else teaching education. Those are like three resources. Oh, the other secret one I'll share with you is have you ever seen the Jawoom smart tuners? No. <laughs> so I have with me a caramel soprano do you guys even have caramel no you, well I've, i haven't heard of it no it's it's like they have their own brand so i'm purposely lovely playing um out of tune instrument now this is the jawum smart tuner there's another company called roadie that makes something similar and one of these, actually a couple of these have been sent to me over the years by the company, but I haven't heard from them for a couple of years. I think they're still in business, but this is like an $80 tool here in the US, but it has an automatic tuning feature. It also has a semi-automatic. So it it's like a clip-on tuner, but when you put it on an instrument, it auto-tunes it to the closest pitch. And what it allows me to do is with a classroom set of ukuleles, I can tune a whole classroom set in like 10 minutes. And it's a huge, huge, huge time saver. Um, it can tighten too high, you know, occasionally, so you have to be aware of what you're doing. And then if you're changing strings, it also has an up and down, we gotta get in this, the screen, has an up or down feature that also acts as a string winder. So if you're okay. changing strings, it's like a multi-purpose tool Highly, highly recommended. And to anybody watching, I've done videos on these things before, but man, it awesome tool. That's awesome cool. tool. So well, that's one. What's that? I can I can tune a whole class in ten minutes with my fingers, but I do like that. <laughs> yeah, and you can you can be having a conversation with kids in class. They can be doing a play along video, and you can be tuning, 
you know, like you hear somebody's, you know, that's out of tune and you can just grab it from them and tune it while everybody else is playing works that, you know, yes. Can I tune by ear using, you know, a clip on tuner or, you know, whatever? Yes. But that changes it so much. It's just one of those um, quality of life things, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Now, um, David, is there anything else you'd like to share with people? Because I've, I've already had you for a long time. So thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with everybody? Um, I don't know. I, just, I mean, I'd like to say thank you, you know, give me this opportunity. I think it's it's great. I never, when I started to do this, I kind of, you know, I never really envisaged where it would go and how popular it would become. You know, and I, I like to think that it's, it's um a force for good like i said not just for children but you know in schools as well so i appreciate you know you just sharing this and and it is always nice i i, I hear from i recently had a, a message from a lady in italy who shared it at some music workshops or cpd of some sort and i've had comments from australia so um i think when i did this i never in my small minded you know thought process thought that people in other countries would see it you know it might sound really strange and fairly new to youtube and to suddenly realize oh hang, oh, hang on people anywhere and everywhere are using this i think it's quite exciting and and it's one of the things i do really uh, appreciate and, and you've already given me some great suggestions is suggestions because i'm now at a point where i'm not only creating things for the children in my school i am creating things for children you know in general so I'm, I'm I'm always aware of 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 what is needed, you know, by by educators out there. I think it's really important, and that that in, that kind of inspires my next videos definitely. Yeah, and as I was saying, like the world, you're you're creating stuff right now for people around the world, which is fascinating, and it's only going to get bigger when people find it. Um, I can't imagine any American educator who teaches recorder that isn't gonna want to use the resources you've had. And we should add recently with the recorder stuff, you've added some like full performance pieces. Yeah, and I've got more, uh, more planned as well. <laughs> which is totally cool. And I've got, you know, on my channel, on the Uxla channel, and then and then on my website, I've only got a few resource, recorder resources that I've made over the years. Um, and not quite the same as yours because, you know, yours is following every note as it goes along. but the other thing is your stuff and actually a lot of my stuff too but really your stuff is literally borderless it may have a title page in english but everything else yeah. is worldwide notation that was the aim it's just the, the videos are music that's all they are i yeah. don't need studied languages on there it's just it's just for, for, for the music and not to say that you like, for example, you do have a couple of videos where you're helping, I think, your kids during COVID or whatever, where you're like teaching them how to play the C chord and you're oh, like going yeah. over. You know, there are some tutorial, there are some like more teaching videos that you've got. But what we're talking about here are those those videos. And I keep telling my students this. I keep saying, hey, guys, here's the deal. And because I again, I teach in a dual language school, Spanish and English. I tell them, really, you're becoming trilingual because you're also learning how to read and write music. You know, you won't be masters of it when you leave me, but it'll be, you'll be down that path. But I tell them, if if you're in Japan and you see a note and you see a dynamic written, you, you will be able to play with Japanese kids that may not speak a word of English. Or if we send you to South America, to Argentina, 
and you're now obviously they speak Spanish, but you're in a room, you can play music with them because you're reading the same music. It's it's what we've set as a standard for the entire world. And that's so cool that you're making these resources that are just plus and I it's just gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger for you as the word grows. So I it's gonna be fun to watch that and hopefully also you can monetize that somehow better than I have. You know, I, I don't know what your mindset is as a teacher, but my my wife, in fact, this week I'm gonna be publishing Billie Eilish's What Was I Made For, that new song that came out of the, with the Barbie movie. Yeah. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm gonna be publishing the Billie Eilish song. And she looked at me and said, great, more time that you've spent doing something that you're never gonna earn any money for. And and so a little bit, she's she wasn't being mean, she was kind of being funny, but she's no, right. right. Yeah, she's right. So hopefully this monetizes so that your quality of life reflects what you're doing for everybody else, too. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. You've been incredibly gracious with your time today. Um, I enjoy your resources. My students enjoy your resources. And I'm sure anybody else that would. Now, if you are a ukulele person, you're wondering why why is this podcast talking about recorder it's part of music education but i challenge you go to music with mr gray's the website you know on youtube and check out the ukulele stuff and see what of that might be fun for your group to do or for you to do because there's a bunch of stuff and he does have playlists that show you know the different categories and you can follow through so please if you're just an ukulele player and like why on the uke stuff podcast are you talking about that well, this is ukulele too, but it's more than that. It's it's our lives as music educators. Actually, the new play along that's coming out, in fact, I'm not sure what the time is, it's been about an hour's time, um, are going to be a new set of band pieces, again, uh, directed towards schools, but it includes being able to use the ukulele as the accompaniment instrument, along with melodic instruments, such as the recorder as well. So you've got another um, another way of joining the ukulele with you know with those different instruments. Awesome. I'd love to see that. That's going to be great. Um, all right. Oh, the other thing before we go is the other big trend here in the United States is something called modern band. Um, and that might be something that I don't know if you ever want to look at that too. Um, they actually show, and I don't know, this isn't for me. I've decided that's not where I want to go, but they show maybe it's similar to your new play along, but they show at the same time, piano, bass. Oh, we've got guitar, that. Guitar. All at yeah. the same time. Um, I think it's the little kids rock. We have um, musical futures in the UK, uh, which is the same thing. So it'll be a pop song, but it will show all those different things. I think it's quite overwhelming to look at uh, to start with. But yeah, I know exactly. It's quite a lot going on on the screen, which again is one thing I try to make sure my videos, there's just not too much there so they can really focus in. But yeah, we, we've got a similar thing going on. Yeah, it's your work is brilliant. I appreciate it. I I thank you for everything you do. I'll be staying in touch occasionally, you know. Yeah, and um, yeah, again, uh, just best wishes for everything because it's it's amazing what you're bringing to us. So thank you for all all that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. All right, and thanks everybody for joining us for this podcast. I hope you're having a great day, and we'll be back soon with some more Uke stuff for you. <laughs>